Jesus. Can we clap for Jesus? Come on, clap for Jesus. Sorry, family. I, I felt I wanted to read you a passage, and I'm trying to find it in the dark. It didn't work very well, but um, Matthew chapter 6. Before we get there, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We are grateful um, that you're here today. If you're here for the first time um, while it's snowing, um, man, we can't get rid of the snow, huh? That's all right. How many don't, don't, don't care about it? Don't care about the snow? Um, some of you are like, I do. I don't want it here. Um, but we will rejoice and be glad because it is a day that the Lord has made. And um, you're like, yeah, but snow still sucks. You know, it's like, that's, that's fine. But we will rejoice. I think the premise is to see the things that God does, to see the hand of God and the fingerprint of God. I want to, I just want to encourage some of you. I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to, to share this with some of you today. If God's not in the right place in your life, nothing makes sense. And you'll spend the rest of your life trying to make sense. But it's like opening a book halfway and reading from chapter 5 to chapter 10 and not understanding what's going on. It's, if you don't go back to the beginning, nothing makes sense. And I'm talking to some of you who feel like you're carrying a lot of stuff and you can't seem to shake it. The truth is it's in the graciousness and the mercy of God that he prevents us from being able to shake things that only he wants to shake. He wants to be the, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Not you, not your skill and your talent and your uniqueness and your intellectual prowess. God wants you to have a trust in him and in him alone. And some of us carry a lot of worry, a lot of stress. And for those who are followers of Christ, sometimes we need to be, we need to let the Holy Spirit shake us a little bit, you know, <laughs> shake us and like, you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You are a victor in the eyes of Christ. And, and sometimes we, we spend more energy in and listening to voices who have no business speaking in our soul and, and we don't spend time in God's word. And I, I just want you to know right now that, that God sees you, <laughs> that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God hasn't abandoned you in what seems to be a roller coaster of, of life in the moment. But I want to, if there's anything I can help you with is to know that, let you know that we serve a God of second chances. And then he is faithful. The scriptures say that he is faithful. Faithful to forgive those who call upon his name. And that's what I love about God in Romans 2. It teaches that he, his kindness leads us to repentance. It's not his wrath. It's not his justification. It's not as though those things have disappeared in the nature of God, but they have been fully justified in what was poured out on Christ on the cross. And we are recipients <laughs> in some ways that we don't even recognize. And I want you to walk in it. I don't want you to be bound by sin. I don't want you to be bound by anxiety and stress. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 6. There's so much gold in Matthew chapter 6. But I love when Jesus talks to the people around him with worry. And he speaks with such certainty, not with confusion, not with this sense of like, well, it tell me your situation and I'll tell you if you should worry. That's <laughs> not what it says. Jesus speaks and he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, about your life, what you will eat or drink or about what or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. They don't have a 401k. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He cares for them. And are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? (laughs) And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? Some of you have a God that loves you and you are so distant from it, you don't even... It's hard to walk in something that you don't have. And I want you to leave today knowing more than anything else that you are loved, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the eyes of God, that he is for you and not against you. And I know some of you are like, yeah, but everything around me seems to be against me. Jesus says to those closest to him, in this world, you will have trouble. You'll have trial and tribulation. You will have difficulty. You have an adversary that prowls around like a lion ready to devour you. But he says, listen, take heart. Take heart. Be encouraged. Why? Because Jesus looks at us and says, for I have overcome the world. I've defeated sin and death. (laughs) So trust in me. Listen, will will you pray with me right now? Will you bow your heads? Pray with me right now. Father, I thank you for what your word does. Scripture says that it is sharper than a double-edged sword, that it pierces beyond the flesh but into the spirit, into the soul. And Father, we ask today, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in our hearts. I know that I can read the Word of God and it can fall on ears, but God, let it fall on hearts that are ready to receive today. May it transform us from the inside out. May you do a work, a substantial work, an evident, a work that is evident to those who are around us. Father, we are grateful to be gathered in your house today. Refine us in this moment, we pray. In your precious and holy name we ask. Amen. Today, um, we are finishing up this, uh, or beginning, finishing up. We are actually in week two. We're not finishing up. Um, and... Uh, in this series of, of conversations we're going to have, they're surrounded by this um, slogan, we need to talk. And how many of you know when you, when you hear that, it's kind of like that you try to go expressionless, but you're just like, you don't know what your face is saying. How many have that inability? Like when something's bad, you can't control your face. You have that thing? It's like, I, I love my wife, but she like, I think that's one of her greatest attributes. Like she's, if it's bad, she's just like going to let you know, you know? And um when someone says that to you, like, hey, we need to talk, you're like, well, let's talk. They're like, not now. You're like, no, 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 no. You're not teasing me for three weeks and saying, let's talk, and then we'll wait. And every time I see you, like, we need to talk. You know, it's like, no, let's figure it out now. And, and what this has kind of encompassed is the byproduct of difficult conversations. Many of us avoid difficult conversations. Um, and what we get overwhelmed by is the what ifs found in a difficult conversation, but I would submit to you that if we would have a greater ability to see beyond the difficult conversation and see the freedom that could be had on the other side of the conversation, we'd be more willing to endure the conversation than we would um, and have a willingness to avoid it. Does that make sense? Many of you are more obsessed about what if or what could go wrong in a conversation 
So you don't even approach it. You don't even have it. You're like, well, listen, things are good. I don't want to mess things up, you know? And so you just leave things the way they are. And some of you have convinced yourself um, with, this, with this saying that is not in Scripture that time will fix it. Um, that's, no, no, that's, that's not true. It's, 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 as, it's like you saying that um, we left to ourselves will figure it out in ourselves. And that's not the case either. We, we cannot save ourselves. We need someone beyond ourselves. We needed Jesus, amen? And, and so time doesn't always heal things. Sometimes we are required to have difficult conversations. And what does that mean? It means sometimes discipline is necessary. Correction is necessary. And I shared with you, if, if you've played on a team sport in your life, the moment the coach stops trying to help you or coach you is the moment you start to get worried and thinking like they no longer care about me and, and, and they're no longer willing to invest in me. They don't want me to get better. They, they've looked over me. And so you want and, and seek out that correction. But the moment you step out of the sports environment, so to speak, any type of correction, any type of coaching, any type of rebuke, any type of discipline is seen as like we run from it rather than to it. It's fascinating, isn't it? In that environment, we seek it out. Hey, can you help me? Is this all right? Can you coach me? Can you show me? And then in, in any other area of our life, we're like, hey, that's none of your business. Don't talk about it. <laughs> Don't talk about my areas of struggle. Don't talk about my marriage. Don't talk about my family. Don't talk about my finance. None of your business. And, and we usually fight against it, but in other realms of 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 our lives, we, we welcome it. I just think it's interesting because the areas in which we welcome it seem to be more societally appropriate, and so we welcome it in other areas. It's like, no, that's private areas. Don't talk about those things. And We're going to unpack a passage of Scripture today that I think is, is beautifully written to the church of Corinth, the Apostle Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians. And this, he's writing it to address sin in the church, but he's also writing it, in a sense, to the reaction or response to sin in the church. And I think it's going to be helpful for us, as it was for them and for all believers in Christ, to look at the process of tough love. And how do we love people according to the Word of God? Now, we've talked about this plenty of times here at True North, that, that the world often tells you and it tells me how we should love other people. And so much so that it tells us that if we really love people, we will, and then they'll, they'll share their opinion. And I, I want you to know that there is a right way to love people, and there is a wrong way to love people. And sometimes the right way to love people is contrary to how you feel in your emotions. And, and it's, it's fascinating to me because what ultimately happens, and I want you to get this, I really do, because... What usually happens is when you talk about discipline, we, we've, we usually land the plane in two areas. It's either in the realm of our, of our natural senses, of our physical senses, or it's in the spiritual dynamic of things. And, and in this side, we take a very high view of Scripture, the spiritual side, in, in this aspect of God's being the divine creator and him having the final authoritative word we have a high view of scripture this is what this this is what i mean when i say a high view of scripture it, it means this it means this has the final say okay Do you, does that make sense this has the final say in all things now i may be permitted to question or but at the end of the day i submit under the authority of god's word can you say amen good it was getting a little quiet i was nervous and um 
This is the final authority. And you might say, oh, okay, I know that. Why is that important? It's, it's good because you always need a place to go back and you need to have a who says. All of us do. Now, the truth is you already have one, but my heart today is for you to recognize the areas in your life where you are the who says and not God. And, and it's, it's fascinating because in Scripture, um, well, let's just turn there. Can we turn there? Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, this portion of Scripture, I'm reading from the NIV translation this morning, and at the beginning of this portion in chapter 5, this is what it says. Um, dealing with a case of incest in the church. They're like, great, Pastor, I brought a friend for the first time today. Thank you. you know. <laughs> Stay with me, okay? Paul's writing and he's addressing sin, okay? He's addressing sin. And the sin could be anything. It doesn't have to be an issue of sexual um, immorality. It could be um, other aspects of sin, greed, debauchery, uh, drunkenness. It could be all um, other things. But in this case, I want you to look at the type of sin that he's addressing, but I want you to hear what he says when he's saying these things to the church. So in verse one, let's, let's begin. This is what scripture says. It says, it, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. Now let's just pause. Paul's writing in his beginning. He's saying, hey, um, people have informed me that there is sexual immorality amongst the church. And he's saying it's, it's, it's a form of immorality that people who don't even believe in God would never do. And he's making a distinction, and you'll understand why in the, in the later text, that the pagans do not tolerate. So he's saying this group of people, they don't even tolerate that, but you're tolerating it in the church. A man is sleeping with his mother, with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have, have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. And as one who is present with you in this way, I've already passed judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus on the individual, on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. That's a lot. I know. If you're like here for the first time, you're like, oh, okay, fantastic. But I want you to, I want you to stay with me. Paul's writing, he's saying, listen, the word of God gives a lane to walk in in aspects of sexuality, in marriage, in gender, in sexuality, all of it. And he's writing to the church and saying, hey, listen, there is sexual immorality present in the church. I just want to pause there for a second because some of you are like freaked out by this. You're like, well, if the pastor finds out, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Listen, this is what I want you to know. Paul's writing in such a way to say, listen, I'm aware of the fact that you are in a process of sanctification, that you are in a process of, of being made like Christ. We are, the sin is being worked out and holiness is being worked in through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what, this is what the text can often appear to mean when we hear the scriptures say, like, I am saved, meaning when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave. The scripture says that it's by the confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart that you are saved. It is not like you got a ticket and you're waiting in line. And you're like, hey, I just can't wait until I get this stamped and then I'm saved. He's like, I hope, you know, they don't leave for lunch or something. No, when you confess and believe, the Bible says you are born again. Your spirit is made alive in Christ. Salvation is immediate. How many can say amen to that? And so God, God, doesn't, God doesn't say to you, hey, how about that, that alcohol problem? How about that marriage issue? How about your language? How about all that stuff you got wrong? Do you know why God does it? God says, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, broken. Everyone, everyone who's trying to fix themselves and can't fix themselves, come to me. Right? And that's what he's doing. He says, come to me. If you can't fix you, great. Come to me. Many of us say, hold on, I need to fix me. And, and God's like, no, you've been trying to do that. It doesn't work. The only way that you can fix you is recognizing that you is the problem, okay? Seriously, that's it. It's the only way that it works. It's like you need to recognize you are the problem to you. That's hard for many of us because some of us were so prideful. We're like, no, it's not me. And then we end up going in a circle. We're in the same spot. We're like, well, it's not me. It's them. You're like, all right. And then after the 50th time, you're like, hey, I think I have a problem. And we in the church, the Bible talks about how do we deal with people like that? Patience. Patience, why? Because God's been patient with us. So we show patience to them. So we recognize that Jesus calls us where we are. The Bible says that he's faithful to forgive those who call upon his name. When we call upon the name of Jesus, you know what repentance means? It means to turn around, to go the other way. From what? From you serving yourself to serving God. And this is the danger in our culture today is many people say, oh, I'm a Christian. And you're like, do you obey the Bible? You're like, what's that? And so what we've really done is just given our, ourselves a title by name, but there's no evidence in it in our life, in our life. And that's why the scripture talks, and I've shared this with you often, it's like that story, that song we used to sing, a wise man builds his house upon the rock, and a foolish man builds his house upon the sand. Upon the sand. When you read scriptures like that, and you say, well, what does the wise man do? He is one who hears the word of God, but then puts them into practice. You know what he's saying? He lives by them. And so for many of us, this is how we determine whether we'll live by God's truth. Do I like that? Do I like that? I don't think. I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I don't think that suits me and my personality. I think that I am wired in such a way to be this way in relationships and finances. Now, I've never met anyone. This is, I want you to just stay with me. I've never met anyone who says, hey, I don't care if I burn in hell. That's fine. I don't care. It's all right with me. It doesn't matter. I mean, I don't think there's much of a difference. I've never met anyone like that. I've met people who are like, oh, I don't even know if it's real. And I've talked to agnostics and atheists and I get that. But I've never met anyone who, who acknowledges the existence of a place like hell and says they don't mind being there. What I'm suggesting to you is in the very natural argument and the logic of that argument, people are like, no, that feels good even in the idea of it to be in a place like heaven. So I wanna be there. But this is, this is what I need you to recognize that you don't get there just because you want to be there. Like we don't, we don't get saved just because we want to spend eternity with the Father. Like there is a process for us to receive salvation that began well before we were ever formed in the womb of our mother. Sin existed in humanity and sin was preventing us from being in the presence and in a personal relationship with the Father. So that to understand the ramifications of sin, you need to understand what you've been saved from. 
And so God sends Jesus from heaven to earth. You guys know this. He sends him from heaven to earth to do what? To go to a cross, to be punished, to be executed, and to bleed and to die on a cross to carry your sin and my sin so we could what? Continue to sin? <laughs> no, so that we could be set free and walk in greater freedom and to then fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith the one who has gone before us. Scripture says that he said the joy that is set before him, he endured the cross. And this joy, this, 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 this joy of knowing that I will make a way where there is no way. I will enable those who are separated by sin to confess their belief in me. And they don't need to live a perfect life, but they can confess their need of me, receive salvation and walk in the freedom that comes through the obedience walking in obedience to God's word. Paul writes all of this with this, I believe personally with this idea in mind, you have no idea what you're messing with in sin. And sin is something that seems insignificant. If it, if it doesn't bother you, it's like, ah, it's not a big deal. Well, stop looking at it through the lens of the natural and start looking at it through the lens of an eternal God through a spiritual God. Some of us are like, God oh, doesn't bother me. It's okay. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Paul writes this and he, he addresses it in, I don't want to say an intense way, but when he says in verse five that, that so when you are assembled together, he said, I'm present in spirit. The Lord is present in spirit. You know, Paul's saying to him, have a tough conversation with this person. And can, let me say this. This is what he's saying. Have it in love. Love them enough to be honest with them. Love them enough to let them know that that way of life is not honoring to God. It is not pleasing to God. And how, does, how do we do that? Remember last week, um, we talked about how do we have difficult conversations and what audience do we have them with? It's not like we walk up in the lobby and say, hey, you. I saw you somewhere last week, you know. It's like, no, it's either by position or permission. Position is whether you have a position in family or friends or whatever that may attribute to. And permission is someone comes to you and asks you if you would help them walk in accountability before God. And if that exists in your life, whether through crews and family, on team, whatever it may be, welcome that. Welcome that in areas of your life. And Paul says, listen, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. You know what he's saying? You need to kick this person out so that they can hopefully come back to a place of repentance, come back into the fold of the family of God, maintain the purity um, and the sanctification of the house of God and do it in such a way that's honoring to God. Every form of discipline in the scripture is done out of love to get the person back in relationship with God. Every single one. And so Paul writes this and he says, listen, my heart is so that this person will be saved when the Lord returns. Now, how much easier is it to be like, oh, I don't know, I just love them. Just let them do whatever they want. And, you know, listen to what Paul says, because this is important. Some of you are, are running ahead and you're like panicking. Listen, verse six. Your boasting is not good. Boasting. Paul's writing this. Some of them, some people are boasting about this. They're like, they're like, okay. They're not even like, it's not as if they're tolerating it. They're boasting about it. 
They're like applauding it. And I, I want you to know that, it, remember we talked about when we receive salvation through the confession and belief, we are saved. But then there's like this process. And this process is a refining process. And the refinement comes through the preaching of God's word. It comes through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, that's, that's, that's not God honoring. And, and the scriptures teach us, no, you can go that way. It's gonna, it's gonna seem right to your flesh, but it's gonna lead to destruction. You need to walk this way. And you're like, yeah, but this seems easier. And this is more convenient. And everyone's doing it. And I'm telling you, it happens. I thought that statement only existed with middle schoolers and down. I've sat down with people who are in their 50s and they've said things to me like this. Well, everyone else is doing it. <laughs> Do you know why? Because convenience. 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 Sin is like a snare. It's like a snare. It like entices you and says like it's not a big deal. There's no issue with it. Paul says you're boasting about it. So this is what Paul says. He says, don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? How many of you bake? See, I lost 90% of you, okay? <laughs> Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and with wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to, to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters. If that was the case, you would have to leave this world. Meaning, if, if I was talking to you about staying away from people who are sexual and moral outside of the church, there would be nowhere for you to go. There would be nowhere for you to go. You couldn't go to your job. You couldn't go to the store. You couldn't do anything. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those who are openly and defiantly walking in the house of God, proclaiming to be a son and a daughter of the king, and acting in, the, in public rebellion before God. <laughs> he says, but I am now writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slander, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church, Paul is saying. Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. I want to speak to you in this vein of discipline and how Paul writes, but first by saying this. The scriptures teach that when you confess your need of Jesus, the Bible says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are repentant and struggling in areas of your life and you're focusing on Jesus and you're walking towards Jesus, there's no condemnation towards you. And God, God wants to refine us. And, and some, of us, some of us hear this and we're like, see, this isn't for me. I can't do this. There's no way. Can I just say something? No one can do this in their own strength. That's why when we read through Scripture that God gave the law to Moses and Moses presented it to the people. And it's evident as you read the Old Testament, no one could walk in accordance with the law. No one could fulfill it. 
No one could obey every single, over 600 laws, no one could obey every single one of them. No one could. And so the giving of the law was to make evident to humanity that you can't save yourself. You're not good enough. You can't walk in perfection before holy God and actually get yourself to that place. You need someone beyond you. And so it says when Jesus arrived on the scene, you know what he did? He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. He fulfilled every single law that there was from heaven. Walked in it in perfection. That's why when we read in Hebrews 5 that, Hebrews 5, that Jesus grew in, in learning obedience. It means that every time there was a challenge to disobey or obey, Christ, he obeyed. And then another challenge, he obeyed. Another challenge, he obeyed. That's why the scriptures say that when he went to the cross, he was a spotless lamb. He was perfect and blameless. Fulfilling the wages of our sin. When Paul writes this to deal with the church, you know what he's trying to convey to them? I didn't understand the whole yeast thing either when I started baking. I was like, I'll just replace it with salt. And it's like, no, it doesn't work, you know? Like, it's important. You know what yeast does? It affects everything. Everything. It would be equivalent to you telling a close friend, "Um, hey, I just got back from the doctors. I got cancer. But don't worry. Don't worry. It's not a big deal. It's like small. So it's like whatever. Like, well, are you going to get treated? Nah, I'm not going to worry about it because they told me it's just small now. So it's not a big deal. Like, well, well, no. I mean, that's not, you need need to deal with it like now. Ah, it's not a big deal. I'm not thinking about it, you know. Try to put it out your mind. I'm me saying this seems just so illogical. It's just like, but this is what we do with sin. We tolerate it because it's either convenient, it's easy, it it allows us to avoid difficult conversations. But Paul teaches if you really love this person, you'll honor God and speak truth to them. Huh. I'm just thinking about the world we live in today where even some people sincerely feel a certain way about things. They say like, no, no, I really believe that people should be able to choose. And you know what? Guess what? I believe that as well. Because that's in the nature of God to give humanity a choice. And some choose themselves as Lord and some choose God. And I want you to know that Scripture does talk about those who choose Jesus There is like a a form of persecution that comes through the way of serving God. Like in the Western world, we don't understand it, but there are people around the world today who are being martyred because of Jesus. Executed because they profess the name of Jesus. Unwilling to deny Jesus. You know, and I, I I don't want us to be caught in a snare of thinking that we can play with sin and do one thing on one day and something else on another. And some of you, are, I believe this in my heart, really want to break through in areas. Can I ask you to pray to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate areas in your life that you're tolerating sin? I pray all the time this way. I say, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. Search within me. Let me know, God, is there any things that are dishonoring to you? Why? Because I know I'm no better than anyone else. I know that I I have a same adversary. 
out against me and I, I don't want to give the enemy any foothold in my life. I don't want to tolerate it. And so what do we bring? The Bible teaches that those who confess the name of Jesus and believe will be saved, that there is freedom in walking in the ways of God. Now, we live in a world today that says, no, well, you can find freedom however you choose. Well, let them choose. But just like Moses, Joshua, and Elijah, and the thousands of faithful leaders that have gone before all of us, May that be the declaration in your family, in your marriage, in your household, that is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let that be the declaration in your home. Let that be the declaration in this place, that we love you enough to tell you when you're walking out of alignment with God. We won't cross the boundaries in in, in relationships that we're not welcome in, but I, I love the fact that as a family, we can love one another enough to help one another through difficult seasons. It's never easy to talk about conversations that could stir the pot, so to speak. And I know there are some people that just love to stir the pot. Do you know any people like that? Like at family parties and whatnot, you're like, oh, no. First question, you're really going to go there, you know? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who have been bound by sin and desperately want to be set free. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for some of you to be set free. And I think that the, the distinct difference in this passage, some of you are struggling with things and you're overwhelmed by what the scripture just said. This individual is in the church and they were walking around and they were boasting of what, what they were doing. And they had no remorse for it. They were not repentant of it. They didn't care they were in rebellion to God. They wanted to live the way they wanted to live. And the truth is you can But just like what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, 7, this is what he says. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And I pray that you will love people close in your world sincerely with compassion and love and sit down with them and share share with them that they may be walking in a way that's dishonoring to God. And some of you, listen to me, Don't determine whether or not you should have the conversation based on what the outcome might be. I talk to so many people and they say, oh, I can't do that. Why? Well, you don't know what they'll do. And I I cannot find in scripture where it says withhold truth and love because of the response that they might give. (laughs) It's like me trying to raise my children and saying, well, I'm not going to correct them about walking in the street. They might yell at me. (laughs) Like, well, that's silly. I just think that we need to be in a position in the season we're in right now to love one another in ways that might be difficult and challenging. I want to pray for some of you right now. Some of you that might be struggling with some things and dealing with some strongholds in your life. And right after that, then I'm going to pray for some of you to get right with God. Some of you have watched church from the peripheral. Some of you have been hurt by church. Some of you have been hurt by leadership or someone who said something to you in church. Some of you have been hurt by relationships. I can promise you something. If you stay in this church, um, you'll probably be hurt again too. You're like, wow, that's horrible. Thanks, Pastor. You know? But this is why I say that. It's because if you place your hope and your trust in the people around you to be perfect, you'll always be let down. I think we all need to learn how to fix our eyes on Jesus. It's not my prayer that you get hurt. 
We do everything we can to prevent that. But when you're surrounded by broken people, it's a messy environment. But what I love about God is He doesn't run from the mess. He often makes a miracle out of it. And if we commit our lives to Him and walk in obedience and honor to Him, God will use us in our brokenness to bring Him glory and to reach more people for Jesus. And so if you're here today and and maybe you're far from God, maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Him, I want to lead you in a prayer. This sounds like a simple prayer, but it's a significant one. And I say that because the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you'll be saved. But what I want you to know is that when you say that prayer, it is a divine exchange. Something you might not notice in the flesh, but in the spirit, it's a divine exchange. Jesus took your place on the cross and you're acknowledging it. You're repenting of your sin. You're calling on the name of Jesus and you're surrendering your life to him. And the Bible says at that moment, you are born again. Your spirit is alive in Christ. You're a son and a daughter of the king that you are a victor. The promises of the word are yours to keep and to walk in. And so we're going to do that right after I, I pray. But if you could just bow your, your, your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for some of you who are just struggling. You feel like you're bound by some things right now. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you that in seasons where we feel like we're floundering, you're still present, even though at times we may not feel like you are. Father, Holy Spirit, awaken our hearts to recognize the season in which we live. Open our eyes. May we see spiritual things. May we recognize that this is an hour that we were born for, that this is a season that we are called to. May we pray more than we've ever prayed. May we seek you more than we've ever done in the past, God. And I pray that this be a season of stretching, of refinement, of sanctification. But God, whatever we're trying to do in our own strength, forgive us for it. Holy Spirit, point out to those present today the areas in their life that they're tolerating sin or trying to do something that only God can do. Help us as we honor you, Lord, in this season. Father, I thank you for all that you continue to do in this house and through us. May we continue to be vessels willing to be used by you If you're here today and you have never said yes to Jesus, now is your chance. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Can't earn it, can't buy it, can't purchase it. The Bible says that God sent his one and only son from heaven to earth, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but rather to save the world. So you're like, I don't need to be saved, I'm good got a job, got a good retirement, got a house, I'm fine. My friend, it's through the eyes of the natural you say those things, but you will live for all eternity. So you're here today to say yes to Jesus. It is by far the most significant prayer you'll ever pray and those joining us online. And we're going to say it together as a family. So repeat this prayer after me. Come on, True North, let's lead people to a personal relationship with Jesus. Repeat this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive your Son, as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and conquered sin and death. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap for everybody.
Come on, really clap for them, church. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Hey, I want to give you a little update about what's going on in the life of the church. Youth continues to grow rapidly. So thank you for your prayers and that. They had their largest gathering this past Wednesday. Hundreds of kids, literally hundreds of kids everywhere in the building, which is a great thing. And um, True Women just had a gathering just a few days ago. And um, yeah, and uh, I asked everyone, how was it? Awesome, awesome. So everything was just awesome. There was nothing that was not awesome. And, and so God, listen, continues to move. Crews continue to grow. If you're not part of a crew, find one. Um, if you're not on a team, find a team to belong to. And, and listen, I'm just grateful for how God is choosing to use us in this season to reach people. So if you said yes to Jesus today, I want to let you know, like, we, I, that was a pretty good clap for the 11 o'clock service for you. But I just want to let you know, like, nothing compares to what happens in heaven. The Bible says that heaven rejoices every time someone who's far from God comes back in a relationship with them. And so heaven's throwing a party for you. And listen, we want to come alongside of you. I know if you are born and raised in New Jersey, like you don't, you know, need to talk to anybody. You're fine. You're like, nah, that's all right. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'll figure it out. But this is all I want you to do. As you exit today, if you're here, um, you'll see a banner. It is massive. You will not miss it. Only if you want to. And I know some of you do want to miss it. So look to the left and just kind of glance up. It says, I made a decision to follow Jesus. You'll see people underneath waving these Bibles. It's a gift from us to you. Um, and inside is just ways to help you in your next steps. It's very simple. We're not going to sit there and ask you for your social security number and all that stuff. And like, hey, tell me your life story and what's going on and how can I pray? We don't need to do that. Only if you want, will we ask you, you know, your social security number. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> will we have a conversation with you? But um, for everyone else, just make sure that you stop in. And those joining us online, let our team know. Um, online, uh, we'd love to send you a copy and a resource and help you find a, a home church um, if you're outside of the area. But for everyone else, can I pray for you before you go? Come on, stretch your hands to heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it refines us. Holy Spirit, do a, may this word not leave us as we exit this door of this building, but may, it, may we carry it today. May we carry it throughout the week. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Help us. Refine us. Make us more like Christ, we ask. Go this as we go today. In your precious and holy name we pray. Faithful church said, amen. Amen. God bless.